Here we are. Here we are. We're back. Back in the saddle again. What was that? That's like an old reference to Gene Autry or some somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked it. I mean, that was pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> Anybody that's like 50 and older will appreciate that, I guess. That's hilarious. Hey, it's officially fall, and it's feeling good, and I love it. I know. I know these podcasts come out a month later, so this is going to be like, what, November mm-hmm. when we're listening to these, but we're doing these in October, and it has been so blistering hot, and it's just like somebody flicked a switch, and it's 50-something degrees in the morning, and and it's nice. It's nice. I love it. I had to put a sweatshirt on this morning when I went and walked. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just start bringing like a lawn chair and working outside. You're always going to see me sitting outside the office. In a lawn chair. In a lawn chair. <laughs> it feels so good. Uh, Monday, um, just because everything's feeling so right, Monday was just an anomaly of a day. I got home. I did some yard work in the yard, and it felt amazing. I watched Major League Baseball. By the way, the Braves and the Dodgers are losers. I'm not even that big of a Braves fan. You actually care about the Dodgers. Just think, is our listeners already know who won the World Series. That's true. Because it's over in October. I know who didn't win it. And we don't know. No, I'm it's depressed. <laughs> no, no I'm depressed. You're depressed because of the Braves. <laughs> the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first inning, in the first inning and just killed them, knocked them out. And then the Dodgers were winning and then brought in Clayton Kershaw, who they have no business bringing in. And he threw two pitches to two guys and they both hit two home runs and tied the game up. And then they hit a grand slam in the 10th inning. In extra innings and and uh, by Cowie Hendrick, who happened to used to, used to play for the Dodgers mm. and beat him seven to three in the final game, and so I'm just I'm just depressed. I'm just I'm tired of it. I want to pull for. I've been a Dodgers fan my whole life, and I'm just tired of them. They've just they've let me down. They disappoint me, and I don't know. I may have to just pull for the Yankees or something. I don't know who I'm going to pull for, but see, I don't even watch baseball until the playoffs. Kind of like I do with the NBA. I just don't care. <laughs> I <laughs> but do. I got a little invested in it, so I was like, obviously disappointed. But it's not like if the Bulls lost or something like that. But oh they're yeah, going to get close. Yeah, the great Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Hey, they're on their way. That leads me to my point, though. On Monday, I got home, did yard work, came in, watched playoff baseball. Then after dinner, watched preseason NBA basketball. Yeah. And while that game got a little bit boring, I pulled up NFL on my phone. I got all three major sports in one Monday. Yes. And what a great day. And at some point, we, we've got to be really close to it because it happens, I think, in October. Don't you have professional baseball, basketball, pro football, and hockey, college right? football, yeah. and hockey? Has hockey started yet? I think hockey's back. I think it is. If it is, I think this is the month where you have all five of those sports going on at that's one time. Incredible. <clears throat> yeah. That's so. that's real living yeah. right there. If you're a sports fan. If you're like a sports us. fan. If not, you don't care and you're ready for it to be over. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're doing today, except that the Dodgers were living on a prayer the other night. 
But it, I don't want to talk answer. about it. I don't. I don't want to talk about it because I'm just. I'm, I'm, it's just soured my mood, and I just. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. Well, let's pray that you get in a better mood because today we're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer. Episode nineteen is on prayer. Um, I know. I know. Recently, we talked about baptism and communion, two of the like foundational parts of Christianity, foundational things. And so, I thought it would be appropriate again to come back to one of those like just just major important parts of the Christian faith, and that's prayer. And yes. I know prayer can sometimes seem um, elementary, but I think there's uh, some deeper aspects of it that we can learn today that I think is going to really benefit people, even if you've been a Christian for a while. So, really quickly, like we always do, give me your 30-second definition that probably won't take you 30 seconds. What is prayer? Um, Prayer is talking with God. Bam. There you go. Three words. I like it. It's talking with God. That's awesome. And notice I didn't say talking to God. Mm -hmm. It's talking with God. Yeah. Because um, though some people may have in their minds that when they pray, it's strictly talking to God, those of us who believe in in the— living presence of the Spirit of God and the activity of God's Spirit within us believe that in those moments you can actually have a dialogue where there can be communication where you will, the Spirit of God can speak to you and impress mm-hmm. you with things or place things into your mind or... Um, it's probably speak to you through the Scriptures, through something that's relevant that right. you've been speaking about. Especially if you're praying and reading mm-hmm. or praying with your Bible open. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, prayer is like simply just talking to God. I added, I mean, because this is typically our emphases, I added for the sake of worship, intercession, forgiveness, or petition. Um, but th- those aren't like hardline requirements. You could talk to God while you're walking down the street and you just – you know, say some nonsense to him. You're still talking to God. Like yeah. he's still listening. So um, I think that's great. Well, let's go ahead and, and let's, let's dive in. Um, let's start with prayer in the old Testament. So obviously we uh, have a Judeo Christian faith. Christianity um, came out of Judaism. And so um, when we look at prayer in the old Testament, we see prayer is directed towards God. Um, that's foundational and it's given in an expectation that he listens and that he wants to help and that he wants to respond. I think one of the biggest things that we see um, is, is that God is an active God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so in the Old Testament, you they pray with a actual expectation that God is going to hear their prayers and that God is going to answer and respond, that he is not a distant God, that he's not um, some sort of, he's not in some pantheon of all of these different gods who, you know, did some things at creation and then now they're away and, you know, doing whatever. They really uh, have a expectation that God's with them, cares about them, and that he's going to respond. And then we see in the Old Testament, too, we originally see a, like, spontaneous type of prayer, just just praying to God for help. And then um, as Israel develops further and further, as we see worship in the temple, as we see um, uh, more formalized religion, we see some more liturgical prayers in nature, prayers that are um, set in stone, that are repeated. Um, but there's always that balance of, hey, you can talk to God corporately 
liturgically in a prayer that's been written down, but you can also cry out to him with that expectation um, that he's going to answer. Um, but then I think, talk to me about this because this is so foundational. They also love to pray what is called the Shema twice a day. Tell me, what's the Shema? Why is it so important um, to Israel, to the Jewish faith? Um, well, and if they don't know what it is, it's hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Probably heard that before. Right, and Jesus used that in the New Testament when he talked about the greatest commandment. Yeah. So they pray, what they're praying is the pray, the, praying the greatest commandment. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're praying, God, help me to love you with my everything. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I, I really think that, you know, we use that word, we don't think about it. But it's it's a relational prayer if you think about it, and, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is 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 uh, I think it's a cry to God for help you know help me to to not just have religion, mm-hmm. but to have relationship because uh, any interaction with God is is primarily relational, secondarily religious. Mm-hmm. Okay, the religiosity or religiousness maybe is a better word that we discover. Whether in the Old Testament, which was Judaism, and ultimately, which is in Christianity, but is is about relationship. It starts with Adam and Eve in the garden. God to come down the cool of the day and talk with Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, of course, would respond and talk to God. So there's yeah. there 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 are the two examples of your first prayers in the Bible. Yeah. Okay, it's very relational. So I think God in with Israel didn't want it to become liturgical. And isn't it interesting that. And with religion, <clears throat> so many times we take what God means to be relational and then we turn it into a religious action or a ritual. Yeah. And, uh, for example, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. You know, people will just repeat the Lord's Prayer, which is great, but that's that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to be a guide, mm-hmm. and we're going to get into this just a minute. So um, I, I, that's what I think. I'm, of course, the theology in this, and we don't want to get into this, but the theology of hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah. I think that's important because— um, Judaism and Christianity are both we're monotheistic, even though we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are three persona, and this takes us all the way back to what podcast one, yeah, when we did the Trinity, the Trinity, yeah, um, that it's a mystery, but we don't believe in in um, uh, pluralism or we mm-hmm. don't believe in polytheism. But there's only one God, three persons. We don't understand it, but there's only one God, and I think that's really important because the nations around them. Had multiple gods, yeah, and they were all false gods. Of course, none of them were real; they were man-made. But God wanted to make sure that Israel always understood that you can't go manufacture a god. That was that would be breaking one of the big mm-hmm. ten, ten commandments. But that there's only one God; He's it; He's the real God. There's no god like Jehovah. Yeah, and I love—I I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but when you when you read the Shema at the end, it basically says like, "Teach this to your children. Put it on your doorpost. Put it everywhere. Like, remind yourself." always and all the time who God is and that I'm going to love him with everything that I have. And so that's, you know, that's where I think it's cool. Not in like a, um, you know, I don't think liturgy is necessarily a bad word when we use it in the sense of like meaningful repetition that is personalized and personal Mm -hmm. to you. I I would say uh, not in the cold, hard, dead religion way, um, but I do like how God prescribed, like, hey, do everything you can to remember this. And so they were praying this in the morning, the evening, when I wake up to start my day, and then when I'm about to go to bed, I'm going to remind myself who God is, and I'm going to make that commitment to love him. And I think that's a cool 
intentional way to use prayer. Um, then they also prayed the Amidah, I guess I'm saying that right. Um, that's a collection of prayers and hymns that they would pray three times a day. I don't know exactly if Daniel's praying this, but we know that um, intentional time of prayer in the Old Testament was important because Daniel prayed three times a day. Um, and that ended up getting him in some trouble, which is another story. But we know that that was a regular practice of praying um, three times a day. And I think this is really cool. Prayer is not just directed just towards God's attributes, even though it is, but also towards his acts and his acts here on earth. God actually does things in space and time. He's not distant. He's real. And so we praise God for who he is, for his holy attributes. We pray to him for um, his work in creation and all of those things. And I think it's cool, too, that we can pray to God for what he's like actually done here on the earth. So for Israel, they could go back to the Exodus narrative and go, you know, wherever you were in time, like here on earth, God showed up and powerfully, mightily set our people free. And for us as Christians, um, you know, obviously for, for we can go to the resurrection and there's a historic event right there that we can pray to God and praise him for an act in history. And then honestly, if you just serve Jesus long enough, you have landmarks in your own life that as you're praying, you can just think through and like, man, God, thank you so much for delivering me from that or helping me there, coming through there, um, because God's not distant, but he, as you as you live that Christian life, you see him show up again and again and again, which I think is really cool. Well, the Old Testament teaches us something that the New Testament carries on. We'll see it again in the Lord's Prayer, that it's good to begin a prayer with praise and thanksgiving mm-hmm. or worship and, and worship. Praise and worship does what you're saying. It focuses on God's attributes, okay? Um, Thanksgiving focuses me on his works, what Mm -hmm. he's done. I'm thankful for what he's already done. By laying that foundation at the beginning of my prayer of who God is and and his power and his capability and then also reviewing what he has already done for me sets the table for then what I approach him for in the present so that I can say with faith and confidence, I know who you are and I know what you've done for me in the past – Here's what I need you to do now, and yeah. that's laid in a, and, and the, that's laid in the Old Testament, and so that's why there, there's this constant, like you said, this dr- drilling in to the children through the Shema, it, the drilling in. We want you to carry this same thing. We understand that this these are foundational mm-hmm. if you're going to have an effective prayer life, and so then you go back and you look, and yeah, they in the Old Testament when they prayed, they expected God to move. I mean, you you think about uh, Moses at the Red Sea. And here they've got Pharaoh's army behind the Red Sea in front. Moses cries out to God. God responds. Mm -hmm. Part of the waters. Okay. Closed the waters and defeated the enemy. So that was the whole thing. Um, When um, they were going around the walls of Jericho, I mean, Joshua had been praying. Yeah. He got along, was praying. God showed up, but he was expecting some kind of divine intervention. Um, Every time that uh, when they were fighting uh, Amalekites, mm-hmm. and Moses went up, and he would raise his hands in intercession, Israel would win. Yeah. And when he dropped his hands, Israel would begin to lose the battle. So Aaron and Hur hold his, held his hands up so he could continue in prayer, mm-hmm. but they were expecting victory in the battle. So you just keep going through um, the, the Old Testament. We could sit here and just talk about so many instances where Elijah mm-hmm. prayed, yeah. and it stopped raining. For three and a half years, then he prayed again, and then it started raining again. And then another time, he prayed, fire fell from heaven and consumed his enemies. Yeah. Um, so they expected God to work, which yeah. is what you should do when you pray. 
Yeah. And I think when we set that on the backdrop of the the backdrop of the the pagan idols that they worshipped, um, th- those idols weren't these personal go to relational gods. They're these gods that you had to sacrifice and sacrifice your children and dance and cut yourself and do all these things to try and like maybe get their attention and maybe they'll do something. When God is this relational God that you can just ask and talk to and with full confidence clearly see that he's going to show up in ways that they can't. That's what the heart of the Elijah story is, is that God is real and no other God is. And <laughs> they I think, don't really exist. Exactly. And I think David, King David, who wrote so many Psalms, you know, the guy was incredible. Mm-hmm. He was a very creative, um, very gifted, very artistic, musical, but he also was a warrior mm-hmm. and a king, a leader. So just what a tremendous gift the guy was. He was a man after God's own heart. Um, but David, in so many of the Psalms, um, you you can see it as you read his Psalms. You see him crying out to the Lord. He'll say, "I cried out to the Lord, and He heard my cry." You know, he'll he he, he and he and the Psalms are even like he's having conversations with God. And some of the Psalms, God answers. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Psalms themselves is a dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think Psalm twenty two is that way. It's a messianic Psalm. So. Um, that to me is powerful. And one of the greatest Psalms, which is one of my favorite scriptures, which I've got to use in this podcast, is it's it's Old Testament, and I think it's a Psalm of David. It's one of the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Yeah. That's one of my favorite verses, which means God's listening. Yeah. So like you said, where the pagans were saying we were going to have to do something to gain the favor of God— the favor of God comes strictly out of the, the righteous relationship with him. He's already listening. He's listening 24 hours a day. Yeah. And that's what David was saying. Isn't that a great thought? That's fantastic. Yeah. The, his ears are open constantly. To, always. And he's, he's always watching us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great thought. Um, as, we, as we lay that background, that prayer has always been a part of our faith, let's move into the New Testament, see what Jesus and um, you know, the, the writers of the epistles have to say. Um, in the New Testament, we see Jesus regularly model prayer, which I think is interesting because Jesus is God. <laughs> you know, he's the second person of the Trinity. He's, he is God, and yet in his humanity, he spends his time praying to the Father, connecting with God. He goes and he gets in a secret place, and he spends some time in prayer, um, especially getting to closer and closer to the resurrection. He would go and spend time with God. Jesus modeled what a life of prayer should look like, going, getting alone, connecting connecting with the Lord, receiving his will um, to, to empower him to live that obedient life, um, which I think is excellent. Um, I think there's some New Testament distinctives when it comes to prayer, too. One of those is that Jesus teaches us to pray in his name, in Jesus' name. So if you've been a Christian for a while, um, you know, a lot of the times we end prayers, whether it's the the biggest, baddest prayer, believing for supernatural healing, or whether we're just thankful for our food before we eat, oftentimes we'll, we'll pray, in Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? What significance does that carry? Why, why is there a New Testament distinctive of praying in Jesus' name? Well, the name represents the person. So when you come to the Father and make a request, but you do it in the name of the Son, then, then you're associating what you're doing with, with the Son. 
And now there's a lot to this because uh, if I tell you to go up to the office to our financial administrator and have her cut a check for something in the student ministry, mm-hmm. and and I say, we need to get this done, I'm authorizing it, you need to go do it. And then you go up and say, I need a check for X amount of dollars. The financial administrator may say, well, Oh, you know, wait a minute. Has this why, been approved why, by a pastor? Yeah, why, why am I, why, why, <laughs> you know, I need, I need a little bit more than that. And when you say, well, the lead pastor, Pastor Chris said, sent me up here and mm-hmm. said, we need this check. Suddenly it changes everything because rather than coming on the basis of who you are, you're making a request on the basis of who I am. Wow. So when you come to God and you make a request on the basis of who he is, Instead of just who you are, and I say, well, you know, do, do I not matter? Yes, you do matter. So we're not taking away from that, mm-hmm. but you're you're asking for something with the authority that comes in Jesus and with His name. Now, now I think there's more to this mm-hmm. than just okay. Well, then I'm going to pray for a new car in Jesus' name. Yeah. Um, and again, I keep saying this because we're going to get to it in a minute. It's so it's the Lord's prayer is so vital. Yeah, I mean, it is like. It's one of the most important things we can have mm-hmm. in our lives. But God's expectation is that we're going to pray for things that concern him and the kingdom. That we're praying his will. Exactly. And praying in his name. When we pray in his name, it's because we're coming from – so when you when you go up to the office to the financial administrator to get that check, it's because it's what I want. It's not just authority, though it is authority. It's will as well. Right. And it's so intention. it's what I want. Now, yeah. it's what you want mm-hmm. because it has to do with your department. Yeah. But I see the need of it. I see the necessity of it, the good of it, and I authorize it. And I say, yeah, and this is what I want too. Go up there and go get the check and go get what you need. So so that's why we need to know the will of God. So mm-hmm. when, if our prayers are always about non-spiritual, non-kingdom things, then that may not ne- those prayers may not necessarily be the will of God. Yeah. But if we're praying about things that concern God and the things that matter most to God, then we're praying things that are, are what he wants. And that's what should be happening. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that this podcast, to be important at all, hopefully people who are listening right now, if you don't get anything, get this. Prayer prayer is a lot of things. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But most of all, you should be praying about the things that matter most to God. Yeah. Okay, and if so, if you're so wrapped up in this world and your world and things and material things and careers and jobs and employment and possessions, and that's what you're bringing to God all the time, is that really what matters the most? Because those things are those things are secondary. They're temporary. They're material. They're 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 ineffectual when it comes to making any difference in people's lives and in the kingdom and eternity. But are you praying about people who are lost? Are you praying about uh, about spiritual warfare? Are you praying you know against the devil? Are you are you praying? Um, for the harvest to be reaped around the world, you know, whatever we could just we could spend a lot of time. On it. But are you praying about spiritual? Are you praying mm-hmm. about the spiritual matters in your life? Yeah. Are you struggling in an area? You know, do you need to be closer to God? Well, God wants you to be closer to Him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, draw me closer to You. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, I'm I'm peeling the thought because I know that's what You want, God. And I think that's what's critical to understanding this whole thing about. Because, you know, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody takes that first part. Well, if I ask anything in Jesus' name, he's got to do it. But no, there's a condition that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if you're asking for a new set of jet skis, you know, or jet skis or whatever, new new water skis, set of water skis, 
is God, is the Father going to be glorifying the Son? No, that's just for a personal want. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. God gives us the desires of our heart, but that's not, that's not what our prayer should be about all the yeah. time. We should be saying, what is it that I need to pray about that will bring glory to God and people to recognize God? Yeah, I think that's interesting, the kind of weight of what we're saying. I think praying in Jesus' name is so ingrained in Christian culture without like really breaking it down. When you're praying in Jesus' name, you're making a theological statement or a statement right there that what I just prayed for is according to God's will. <laughs> you know, and maybe yeah. sometimes we do pray for things without actually addressing is this God's will, and yet we stamp it with please Jesus give this your mark of approval that this is what you want to glorify the Father when maybe we are just kind of praying about whatever we want to pray. Well, I, I have seen people we'll get off on a rabbit trail right now for a minute. We'll come back. Yeah, right. I have seen people um want to do something that was sinful something that was wrong, and they would pray about it. And then they would come back and say, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I prayed about it, and I feel like it's okay, as if praying about it and feeling okay makes it all right. Mm. Well, when you already know pre-prayer yeah. <laughs> that what is what you're wanting to do is wrong because God has already stated what's right and wrong in his word, mm-hmm. okay, then you weren't praying to God to, to, to get – to get the direction of God, uh, you might have prayed because you were hoping God would make you feel better about it. But God's not going to make you feel because He's not going to contradict His word. So all you did was you went through a religious experience, you know, prayer, some yeah. kind of prayer. So that what you did was just a mental exercise to to kind of settle this thing in your mind, and you really don't care at all what God thinks. That's crazy. But people have done it. I mean, the audacity. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you extremes. I know there have been preachers who have cheated on their wife, so they divorced their wife and ran off with a piano player and got married, and they said, well, we prayed about it, and we felt like, we felt like God, God was in this. Mm-hmm. Now, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay, because we know that marriage is sacred and adultery is wrong yeah. and, and divorce like that is wrong. So you can pray about but when you pray in Jesus' name according to the will of God, that presupposes that you know what the will of God is, and that's why the word and prayer go hand in hand. Effect, mm-hmm. The most effective praying is built on a knowledge of the Word of God, what God has said. what God, The Word of God is the will of God. This is what God wants in yeah. my life. That's why at High Praises, I have this little mantra that goes like this, read and pray and pray and read and read and pray and pray and read and read and pray and pray. And I have the church do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And everybody will start doing it because they know the mantra. I wish it was original, but I, I learned that years ago from Lorraine Livingston in Pastorals yeah. of Central Church in Charlotte. Uh, he did that. And so I carried it to my congregation all these years now. And uh, I tell them, whatever you do, those two things are the fundamentals. Yeah. That's where our, where our confidence is in our prayer, that if we know for sure we're praying for the will of God, like the revealed will of God in Scripture, we don't have to walk away wondering, is he going to answer, is he not? Of course he is. He's already revealed it in his will. Right. And, and, and like you, I think you've written in the notes, the, the, someone's name and the culture of, of Jesus' day, Associated with who they are and their character, yeah. That's why it's important when you pray. You got to pray things that fall in line with the with the character of God, mm-hmm. with the divine attributes of God. With again, it's what what God wants, yeah, absolutely. And, and with God's kingdom and the direction He's going, yeah. And I think too, this is this is interesting. We've talked about the you know praying to the Father in the name of the Son, um, but the Spirit helps us pray too. The Spirit prays for us. He actually intercedes on our behalf. He prays for us when we don't know what to pray. I believe it's the Apostle Paul who talks about this, um, which I think is really cool that we actually have the Holy Spirit in us and praying for us when we're not even sure 
what to pray on our own. We're also called to pray um, in the Spirit, to pray in step with the Spirit, to pray um, with the Spirit's will under the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just uh, praying to the Father in Jesus' name, but it's actually under the influence and the help of the Holy Spirit, who at the same time is praying for us, which I think is really comforting and cool. Yes, and I think most of our listeners have learned by now, of course, we're getting new listeners. You need to understand that Evan and I are Pentecostal preachers, so we're Spirit-filled. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, we believe in the, that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today. Uh, and so everything that's in like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, things like that, we we wholly adhere to because we think that hasn't that didn't stop. We're not cessationists. We 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 think for the last twenty one centuries, God's spirit has mm-hmm. been operating super. I mean, if we, why, why do we want to limit a supernatural God? Those yeah. things are supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. So, there, if I can address that for a minute, Ev, the I think there is spiritual praying. So it's like you said, we have the spirit. Everybody who's saved has the Holy Spirit residing inside of them. So I think that your spirit your praying can be spiritual rather mm-hmm. than ritualistic or mechanical and 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 I think a lot of us have prayed at times and felt maybe like we were mechanical and 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 there's something that you can do this is real practical if you feel like that's happening I would just stop and say holy spirit you're inside of me would you just activate my spirit right now will you help me to move beyond this mechanical rote going through the motions I I, I want to pray with some passion and some fire and some mm-hmm. spirituality and it's just that simple. And you say, well, what'll happen? What'll happen is the Holy Spirit in you will, you're asking him to get involved and he can put some life and vitality into your inner, your interaction with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so that's spiritual praying. However, some people think that's the extent of Holy Spirit praying. There is spiritual praying that occurs where the Holy Spirit actually is praying through us. Mm-hmm. And so like in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul said, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And and then Paul, several times in 1 Corinthians 14, talks about praying in the Spirit. He said, I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray in the understanding. And if you read... First Corinthians fourteen, you can see it. Praying and understanding would have been in his language, which would have been either Hebrew or Aramaic. For us, it would be English. But the understanding, praying in the spirit, was was praying in in tongues, mm-hmm. that heavenly language. There is a heavenly language, and so that's part of that whole concept that we have. That there is there is a prayer language that when you pray, the spirit prays through you, and you'll begin to pray in a language you don't know. It's a heavenly language. Some people who aren't familiar with the things of the Spirit, and some people get freaked out about that, which, you know, you know how I feel about that, is why do you get freaked out if you ever took Spanish class for a year in high school or college? You've already spoken in tongues. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just chill out. You already spoke in tongues. You spoke in tongues every day you went to class. You had some, you had some Spanish teacher telling you what to say, and you had to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Okay, they made you learn a language that wasn't your own, and you didn't freak out about that. So why do you want to freak out about a heavenly language? That, the, that God is trying to speak through you. Yeah. So anyway, it is, and it's powerful because it says it edifies us. It, there's praise and worship that happens in it. There's blessing that happens in it, and it edifies us. Now, I may not understand what I'm saying, but unless that Spanish teacher told me what I was saying, I could repeat what she told. El hombre está sentado en la silla. You know, if she yeah. told me to say that. I may not know what I'm saying, 
but I'm saying what she tells me is it because she's trying to teach me how to speak the Spanish words correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eventually I learned how. So by the way, that means the man is sitting in the chair. Uh, <laughs> if anybody's wondering. But 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 my point is there there is a there's a spiritual language that we that we pray in. It's a, a prayer language. Some people yeah. call it a prayer language, a devotional tongue, that when you get through, you don't know what you said, but you have the assurance that the spirit has talked to the Father in this holy communion that they have within the Trinity about something that you really need. And you can finish that prayer going, I may not know what he said, but I know after, right now everything's mm-hmm. going to be all right. Because God's talked, the Spirit's talked to God the Father, so God's on this. Yeah. You know, whatever I'm going through, God's on this. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and, and I think now as we put that all together, um, we address God as Father, which I think is a New Testament distinctive as well. In the Old Testament, there is a bit of an idea of God, you know, as, as the Father of Israel, um, you know, the children of Israel. We, we, we see a little bit of that, um, but... That's really a New Testament concept of God as our Father. And so what we're doing is when we call God our Father, we pray to God through Christ. Sometimes I've heard him referred to as, you know, Christ our older brother in a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he's our representative, and um, he, you know, is the firstborn. And so Paul talks about this all the time, that we are in Christ, and so with us being in Christ, we're told that we are adopted into the family of God. The Apostle Paul says that it's by the Holy Spirit that we can cry, Abba, Father, um, that prayer is actually a triune act, that it's by the Holy Spirit in which we're united to the Son. So by the Holy Spirit, through the Son, we pray to the Father. We see this triune act and this triune nature even in our prayer life, that there are these individual roles, and there, there's this placing them all together, um, which I just think is is really, really neat. So even though we pray in Jesus's name, we're not, it's not like we're just praying to Jesus in a sense. It, it is triune completely and totally, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I love the, the, uh, the stress, rather, that you're putting on, um, or the accent you're putting on God is the Father, and we're praying to the Father in the name of Jesus by, by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit who enables us. And, you know, through the Spirit, we have access to the Father. Yeah. Um, uh, because He makes us spiritual, and God is a spirit. So the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit, and through regeneration, we're now spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And when you're in sin, your spirit's dead. When you get saved, your spirit becomes alive, which now gives you access to God yeah. because he is spirit. So there's a connection that happens spiritually. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that that we come to him. As, and so, you again, you talked about the pagan nations that Israel had to deal with back mm-hmm. in the day. They, they just like you said, I'm going to repeat you, they, they saw those gods as these supernatural divine beings that were almost inaccessible and that you had yeah. – or inaccessible. And you had to – you had to go through all these – things just maybe to get get some favor garner some attention yeah where it's totally opposite and this is all the way back in the old testament too Mm -hmm. by the way this has always been god's image from adam and eve in the garden to today that he is our father unless you had a really bad relationship with a a dysfunctional father okay this is not gonna this is not gonna sit well with you so you're gonna have to process through this but if if you like i had i have and i had and have a great relationship with my father and you have a great relationship mm-hmm. with me. Um, I can go to my dad about anything. 
Yeah. You know, and he's my dad. And I and I call him and I talk to him. And if something mm-hmm. great happens, I call him. I want to tell him about it. And if I'm going through something, I call him and I talk to him about it and see if he can give me advice or wisdom or just sometimes I need somebody to talk to. I think that, but it's very relational. Yeah. And it's family. And it's not hindered by anything. It's not afraid to go talk or holding back. It's free and it's open. First person I'm running to. Right. And that's what, that's the way it is with God. So mm-hmm. that God is not the cosmic candy machine that I'm going to put in a quarter and tell him, Hey, I want to, I, I, I want a new set of golf clubs. Yeah. Okay. It's not that he's a candy machine. He's my father. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, when you, you grew up in the house, you didn't come to me every day asking for something. Okay. But when you did come to me and ask for something, then if it was something really important, then your mom and I would go to ever, you know, very great efforts. If you say, look, I got holes in my shoes. Dad, my shoes blew out. Okay. Well, your mother and I'd say, get the car. We're going to the store. Yeah. We got to get you a pair of shoes. Great thing about God is, unlike me uh, as a father is, or my dad, God already knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Yeah. Okay. So He already knows, but we can come to Him and say, "Abba, Father, Papa, God," because it's that's what it is. It's a term of endearment. Papa, God, I need some help. And I, I when I prayed this morning, um, I get up early and I was walking my neighborhood and praying, and I actually talked to God in this this way. It's funny mm-hmm. we're talking about this because. I said, you know, I'm so glad you're my father because I just, I need a dad. You know, I need you. I need my heavenly father because uh, I know you'll take care of me and just some things I needed to get off my chest and it helped me to say, but I know I'm okay because dads look out for their kids and I know you're looking out for me. And yeah. if we can just get that kind of mindset, it could revolutionize our prayer life. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I love the idea that we're going to him as our father and we're going to him in Christ. Like in the only begotten Son, in union with Him, which I, you know, think about how much God the Father loves God the Son, who at the same time is Himself, mind blown, you know, that important relationship with Him there. Now we are going in union with Christ. Um, what a privilege we have in Jesus being tied to Him and adopted into that family. When Jesus died on the cross, God, there was this thick veil that hung in the temple in Jerusalem that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Mm-hmm. The most holy place is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Nobody could go in there but the high priest and that one time a year. That God supernaturally, this is in the Gospels mm-hmm. record, supernaturally ripped that veil. The veil was as thick as, as my hand is wide. If I yeah. hold my hand out, the span of my hand, that that's pretty thick veil. Yeah, it is. God ripped it in two exposing the holy of holies and god did that on purpose to say through through the son everybody now has access to me yeah through redemption through the son obviously everybody has access no longer is it just one person but whosoever will can come and so again that access to the father which i think we're on the same line here Mm -hmm. you talk the importance of the son is my access to the father is because of what the son did for me yeah and because who I am in the Son, of course, He's adopted me. The Father's adopted me, but it's all because of of what Jesus has done. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, deep stuff. But man, you yeah. just start thinking about it. You're like, man, I I, I got access to God. This yeah. is, I need to take advantage of this unfettered direct access. It's fantastic. Um, why am I? Oh, I thought I was off real quick. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that's fantastic. And um, we're gonna dive into the Lord's Prayer like. Deep, real quick. I'm just going to mention it real quick. We'll mention a couple other things. Then we'll, let's break down the Lord's Prayer, um, and then we'll wrap this one up. 
Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer, which is thought to be modeled after the Amidah in the Old Testament. I've never heard this before. If this is wrong, just email me and tell me I'm a liar. Um, this is to be done in private, not for show. It means uh, This doesn't mean that we can't pray corporately, but when we pray privately, we're not doing it to impress other people. We don't have to repeat certain phrases and babble um, like the pagans in that day. We don't have to try and you know manipulate God. It's a, it's a relational thing. But it is thought that that Amidah, those collections of prayers and hymns and different things, followed a similar format of the Lord's Prayer. And so in breaking it down, they were thinking that the idea of, you know, praising God and, you know, hallowed be his name and then praying for his will and praying for your daily bread and all of those are, is almost like a condensed way of praying um, that Jesus broke down, which I thought was really interesting um, that may or may not be true. But, um, you know, I, I read that in my study. I think it's important that James says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, that basically, like we talked about earlier, when we pray to God, we go with confidence, knowing that God's going to answer. We've already talked about this. We're told that whatever we pray according to God's will, it's going to be done. We see in the Apostle Paul, he gives us a number of prayers and doxologies and ways to worship God through prayer. Um, they reflect that Jewish background of, of praying and regular praying and formalized praying, but I believe they're unique to him, and so he kind of adapts that and we see that throughout the scriptures. Um, it's even believed that in Ephesians chapter 1, there's like a huge section right there that's almost this just like glorious, theologically dense, just prayer and praise to God. Um, that we, you, you know, you can find it throughout his writings. And then finally, we're told um, that you can pray without ceasing or that you should pray without ceasing. Yeah, and, I, and some people wonder what that means. I mean, I think that just means don't don't stop praying. Make make prayer a regular yeah. part of your walk with God is is keep the lines of communication. Continue to rely on God throughout your day. Yeah, yeah. and, and through the, each day and through the week, yeah. Just keep make sure you pray. Yeah. Read and pray and pray and read and read and pray. Um. And then let, let's talk real quick about why we pray, and then let's dive into the Lord's Prayer. Um, we pray one because Jesus commanded it. You know, he he assumed we'd be doing it. You know, when you pray, do not pray like. Um, you know, Jesus modeled prayer for us. We believe it does something. And then I like this: prayer is an expression of faith and humility. So when you pray, you're putting your trust in God, and then you're lowering yourself, going, "I can't get through my life. I can't get through this day." unless you intervene and strengthen and help help me. So it's making a statement to God that I genuinely need you when the, you pray. The independence that we Americans have, self-reliance can be our strength. It can also, when it comes to spiritual things, be our absolute weakness. Uh, you come to God, it's good to come to God every day and say, if I'm going to be who you want me to be, you're going to have to help me today. Yeah. And then if I'm going to do what you want me to do, what you've called me to do, God, you're going to have to help me today because mm. I cannot be who you want me to be or do what you want me to be or do on my own. Yeah. I need you, God. Yeah. And I think that's that's true humility. Yeah. And that's faith. Yeah. And finally, we pray and we pray for others because I believe praying for others is a way of loving one's neighbor. If you truly have faith in God, believe that he answers prayer, believe that he intervenes, one way that you can love your neighbor is not just through 
um, you know, acts of service and love and kindness and all those different things. But I really believe that it's going to God on their behalf, interceding for them, trusting that God, whether they need salvation, that the Spirit would convict them, whether they need um, healing or just a miracle or an answered prayer, just strength or whatever it is. I believe a, a way that we can truly love our neighbors is by going to God for them and trusting that He's going to move on their behalf. Exactly. And I think I would add to that list that prayer is a way to engage in spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, because there is an enemy. There's a spiritual enemy. Mm-hmm. There are three spiritual enemies, the devil, the flesh, your own flesh, and then this world system that's controlled by the devil, which is antagonistic to God mm-hmm. and his people and what he believes. Um, and sometimes we war. We we, yeah. we wrestle against those things. And I think prayer is one of the ways that we do that because Paul talked about take on the full armor of God, take up the sword of the Spirit. So that's the word of God. And then he said pray. Yeah. So prayer is part of that. Um, I want to I talk about the Lord's Prayer yeah, for a minute because I think everything we've said right now segues into into this. Um, I think I'm going to assume that our listeners know the Lord's Prayer. I mean, most I, I wrote it down. If you just wanted to read it, well, put it in the old KJV. Cause well, I thought it was I'll tell you what, do cool let's just let's just go through it. Yeah, and it won't take us long. You know, I could preach an entire message or series on this, but we'll do a highlight. Yeah, um, we're we're actually. Our growth track room in the room where we're recording is actually the room where I first learned this from a man named Doug Small, who is who is a tremendous expert on prayer. Uh, Doug Small taught me in this room that there are three components to prayer. If, mm-hmm. if, if this is probably one of the most vital things I've ever learned, and I try to teach it to everybody. So everything you've heard up to this point, I, I hope you're really listening right now. This this could just revolutionize so many people's lives. There are three components, okay, and we see this in the Lord's Prayer. There's communion mm-hmm. with God, or fellowship with God, intimate relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There's intercession, and then there's petition. Yeah. Okay? Those are the three components of prayer. So let's go through the Lord's Prayer, and you will see these. First of all, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right. That's not asking for anything. That's not interceding for anybody. That's just coming into God's presence and worshiping him. Yeah. Okay, our Father, which is very intimate. So it, it gets back to what we talked about. Yeah. Hallowed be your name. That's an expression of praise and worship. Um, Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Mm-hmm. So anytime you enter into the, the presence of God, you come with thanksgiving, praise, and worship. I made that statement earlier. Yeah. So you should never go into prayer busting right into God's presence saying, God, I need this. God, I want that. Mm-hmm. Or God, my daughter needs this. My 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 husband desperately needs this. Always come in with communion. Mm-hmm. Spend some time with him. When I pray, I got up this morning and had my prayer time. I, I, I've said enough people in my church know I, I get up and I walk. I, I do better if I'm moving. Yeah, I think I have a little ADD, but, but I just walk and pray. So I walk my neighborhood, so I'm killing two birds, one stone. I'm exercising and, and praying. I spend, I don't know how much time, I, I spend a good part of my prayer time just loving the Lord. I start thanking him for everything he's done. I thank him for the good things in my life. I thank him for your mom and you and your mm-hmm. brother and your, my, our, your your two sisters-in-law and my grandkids and our families and our church, my family. And I thank him for our, 
I just go down the line. I thank him for anything and everything, for his grace and his mercy and and for his wisdom and knowledge and truth and and for faith and hope and joy and peace and love and happiness and contentment and passion and drive and holy ambition and and for healing and health and deliverance and freedom. And I, I just get this, yeah. lit, lit, I just, this litany of things I go through. And if he's done something recently, I say, God, thank you for doing this and thank you for... And I just spend a lot. I don't want to be an ingrate. Mm-hmm. I just don't ever want God to think I'm ungrateful. And yeah. so I, and then I just think about who He is, and I worship Him. I say, God, You're omnipotent. You're omnipresent. You're 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 omniscient. You know everything. You're eternal. You're unchanging. You're sovereign. Thank you, God. You're in charge and in control. I don't have to worry about anything today because You got it. You yeah. got this. You are holy. There's nobody like You, God. You're the only God. You're a perfect mm-hmm. God. You're good. And I just go through and I spend a lot of time praising him. And what I do is sometimes I'll cry. Sometimes I'll tell him about something that happened that's funny, and I'll laugh. I just tell God. He already knows it, but I tell him. I say, God, this funny thing happened today, and I, I just spend time. Yeah. So it's really important to have communion with God. After you spend time in communion, then you need to go into intercession. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that we don't go right into asking things for us? We ask for other things. Yeah. That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So your first thing is to praise, pray about the things of the kingdom. So the kingdom is the rule of Christ. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Well, there are a lot of components to that. I think you literally, you pray for the literal coming of the kingdom of Christ where he rules and reigns in this earth for a thousand years. I think we should look for his coming. Okay, I often pray at that point, Lord, I pray the rapture and the resurrection will take place. Then I'll pray, God, rule and reign in me. Mm -hmm. Don't let sin, the flesh, the devil rule and reign in me. Then I'll say, God, I pray you rule and reign instead of the devil. There is an enemy. And he's he's trying to set up strongholds in my in my life, my family, my marriage, my church, and our community over Anderson in America. And so this is where spiritual warfare comes in. Warfare comes in. God, I'll say, God, tear down the strongholds of the devil, destroy, depose, and dethrone the enemy. Send warring angels and defeat the enemy right now, so that you're ruling and reigning in Anderson, in our government, in America, in the world. And then I think this is the most important. I pray for people to be saved. Mm-hmm. That's that's a kind of spiritual warfare yeah. where I'm interceding. God, I, I say, let the global harvest be reaped. Save people around this world. Yeah. God in high praises, save people. God restore people who are backslidden. Save people that we love who are who are our family members in sin. And I just spend a lot of time interceding mm-hmm. for people to come, so that God knows, hey, I want you to move and convict these people and save these people. Yeah. So that's intercession. Then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, now I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So God, tell me what you want me to do. Well, there's some things I pray, and sometimes it may be something I read in the Bible, and I'll say, God, would you please help me to do that? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it very well. Help me to do it better. Uh, I know there are things that God has said that are really, really important. Everything in the Bible is important, but we said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Well, those are the two important, most important commandments. It's what God wants. Yeah. So I'll say, God, will you help me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Help me to love my neighbors and love myself. Help me to do unto others as I, as I have others do unto me. Yeah. Help me to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness because all these other things will be added unto me. Will you help me to be conformed to the image of Jesus because that's the number one goal that we be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So these are things that I know are God's will, and I'll start praying. And notice some of them are about me and some of them are not. Yeah. And I'll say, God, let your will be done for high praises. Let your will be done for my family. Let your will be done for other pastors and churches and leaders and what you want to do through them. So see, it's others-oriented. And, and there is that humility and that faith that says, let your will be done, not my will be done. Exactly. Setting me aside and saying, you just take Take the reins. And sometimes I face something where I want to do something, but I know that it's not the ultimate good is not going to be there. Mm-hmm. And how do I win that battle? I have to say, God, I know that 
this is what I really want to happen right now, but ultimately it's not going to be the best decision. Will you please help me change my heart? Yeah. And you say, really? Well, Jesus got in the garden and he, he didn't want to go to the cross, but he had to say, father, not your will, but you know, not my will, but your will be done. He had to pray through about some things. Sometimes I have to get in and pray through about things. Okay. So that's, that's intercession. And again, you say, well, wasn't that Jesus praying for himself? Well, he was, but ultimately he was praying about the will of God. God yeah. wanted to go to the cross to die for the sins of the whole world. So yeah. see, it's about others. Then you get in the final one is petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Mm-hmm. So now I'm praying for me. Isn't it interesting that I pray to God and I pray about others before I get to myself? Mm-hmm. And Evan, what I have found is by the time I spend time loving him and praising him, praying to him, praying about the things that matter most to God and, and help other people. By the time I get to what I want, I don't I don't spend a whole lot of time praying about what I want. Yeah. Because I'm at the point where I thought, you know, I've prayed the most important things today and I've realized if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all this other stuff that I'm worried about, God said he'd give it to me. Yeah. So I'll just kind of highlight stuff real quick. I don't spend a whole lot of time praying about give me this mm. day or daily bread because he does. Yeah. I ask him to forgive me of my sins every day. I make sure that I forgive other people because, you know, sometimes we have situations. So I always forgive because I don't want to hold grudges. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play God. I don't want to go to hell because of what somebody did yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to let somebody else send me to hell. And then I say, Lord, don't lead me to temptations. I think temptations can be two things. It can be where I don't think God will lead us into a place where we, we commit sin. I think yeah. the devil does that. But I think we say, God, don't allow that to happen. I think mm-hmm. a temptation can also be a trial. So I think we say, Lord, don't leave me in the trials and difficulties, but deliver me from mm-hmm. evil and deliver. And then you finish back with communion. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. And what that is, is just praise time and prayer time. Yeah. Before you go, just tell him one more time how much you love him and glorify him and thank him in advance for what he's done. Recognize that if any of this is going to happen, it's all about him. Yeah. And then you're done. That's excellent. Yeah, that's why I said I, I yeah. wish I would have come up with it, but that... That guides my prayer. And so I think what we want to say today to people is take the Lord's prayer, use it, because it really ought to be the disciples' prayer. Mm -hmm. Take it as a guide and use it. And that's what I do, okay? I'm a preacher, and I've served the Lord for um, almost 50 years now. I got saved when I was five, and I'm 53. So, you know, it's 48 years, whatever. I've walked with Jesus. Every day I use the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And it helps me to pray thoroughly mm-hmm. and holistically. Yeah. That way it doesn't just become about yourself. Exactly. That, Keep it about yeah. God. I think that's awesome. Let's cover just some quick other types of prayer um, that is out there. Um, we'll talk about a couple issues, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Um, the Lord's Prayer, like we just talked about, is Jesus's model, and yet it's personal. But then we also can see that extemporaneous prayer. That's just like... just just crying out to God, that just out of my heart, out of my mind, praying to God. You know, Jesus prayed like this privately in the garden, you know, going, you know, going after God. And so that that's part of that relational aspect. Kind of like what you talked about, this is a similar thing. Uh, early church father Origen gave us that Acts model of prayer that's popular today, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which I think is interesting. So that's a cool model. Then we see um, more liturgical prayer, kind of like throwing it back to the Old Testament. Um, many people in church and many high church 
um, do uh, prayer that's regular, whether it's written out prayers or just dedicated prayer times. We know that in Acts, the disciples still gathered for corporate prayer. We saw the Holy Spirit fall when like the, the disciples gathered together. They still went to the temple and did regular prayers um, because many of them had those Jewish backgrounds. Um, the Didache, which is a early church document kind of instructions, um, gives written out prayers and states that they prayed the Lord's Prayer, so that was their model, three times a day. So something that morning, um, afternoon, evening time of just consistently praying. Um, the church in different areas has historically used lectionaries, so that's common readings out of scriptures and prayers that everyone can use. And so one of the most popular ones is the Book of Common Prayer. Um, and I would say one of the good things about what we've seen here is that it just gives us natural discipline. It gives us a guide of what to pray and maybe rooted in historic Christianity, and it's very scriptural. And so um, I think this can be turned into one of those, you know, dead, cold, just repeat stuff or, you know, just say the Lord's Prayer. I think an excellent part of this prayer and the way of doing this um, is not for anything to be cold or unpersonal, but the discipline. I like that you know they hey they said hey we're going to pray three times a day. We're just going to make sure that we do it, or we've got some written out prayers, or we've got scriptures that we're going to read every day. It was a way of disciplining themselves, which I think was really really interesting. As a pastor, and and again like the Book of Common Prayers used in in, in like you said more high church, the Anglicans right, use it. more liturgical. I can appreciate that as a primer for somebody who's new in their faith mm-hmm. and they don't know how to pray at all. And you can kind of say, well, here's some things that can help you. I like the idea of discipline and mm-hmm. structure. Uh, at the same time, I recoil against um, doing things strictly out of ritual. Yeah. The, 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 the side of me that has just for the last five minutes expressed about the Lord's Prayer it should be incredibly personal. Yeah. It should be heartfelt. It should be spiritual. And so I would like if we could just blend the two. And that's what I'm kind of getting yeah. at is the, the, it's more about the discipline. It's more about the, the structure, but it's never meant to be impersonal. That pray without ceasing. Yeah. Pray daily. Spend time with Jesus. Have a, have a guide, the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer, and yet you're able to pray about what is relevant to you and pertinent to you in your context of your life, your 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 use of the Lord's Prayer will be different from my use of the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Yet we're both using the same God, but we're fitting it to our context, and we're praying in the Spirit, praying passionately. If you could take the two, discipline as well as the— Absolutely. As the, as the personal aspect and the passion and, and even some spontaneity and bring them together. Well, let me give you an example of what I mean. This is for if you're like my age, if you're in your 20s or your 30s and you've grown up every day— with just constant stimulation, and you don't know what to do without looking at a screen or a phone or something. Um, for me, I use um, either I use there's a website called which is hilarious MethodistPrayer.org, or there's an app on your phone. I know it's so funny called Daily Prayer. So let's take daily prayer. What it does is it just gives me like a visual stimulation and a guide to look by. So it starts with an opening prayer. It starts with a confession. It gives you an Old Testament and New Testament reading. And then what it does is it brings up the Lord's Prayer, and it gives you a little explanation, and then it lets you just go at it and make it personal. But it just gives you something to look at. That's, that's good. <laughs> just, you know, or the MethodistPrayer.org is a little bit more interesting. You know, It starts off with the Thanksgiving, and it gives you a Charles Wesley hymn. 
big Methodist. And so there's the, all these songs you get to learn that you get to make it a part of your worship. Helps you pray the Psalms and read scriptures. Um, sometimes it'll take you through like the Apostles' Creed. And then once again, it gives you the Lord's Prayer. It's just like visual stimulation. <laughs> That's like, good. all right, here's something to look at. Because for me, like if I just, sometimes if I just try and sit down, empty room, looking at nothing, my mind starts going <laughs> everywhere. You need so the Lord's Prayer. If you're addicted to your phone, just pull up the Lord's Prayer on your phone. That way you can just look at something. Um, I know that's helpful for me. That's um, good. Corporate prayer is good. We do this at High Praises. We see this modeled in the early church. They gathered corporately and prayed. We do this every first Wednesday where the church gathers together. And I do believe there's something special where we gather around a certain topic, a certain theme, and the body of Christ prays to yeah. God. Um, and then finally, I think something that's great to do is to pray Scripture. Scripture is an excellent guide to prayer. We've talked about praying the will of God, the revealed will of God, which is found in Scripture. And um, a good way to do this is through the Psalms. Um, they're very poetic. They're very structured. Um, and then sometimes they're just good things to pray through the Scriptures. Um, I know when, when you were gone, I preached out of Exodus 34, 6, and 7, where God reveals... Um, essentially his glory, his ways to Moses after the golden calf episode. And it's basically just like, here's why I'm going to stick with you and not leave you and not destroy you, even though I should. And so he reveals, you know, the Lord, the Lord, our God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving transgressions, iniquities, and sins, but by no means clearing the guilty. Um, I think that's an excellent description of who Yahweh is, who is God. And so I just wrote out basically that scripture and tagged on three lines, which are basically the main points of my message, and led everybody through that prayer at the end of the service. And she said, hey, if you want to pray this every day this week, this will begin to form you and shape you. You're basically just praying scripture with a little bit of added something at the end. Um, And I've been doing that every day, and I think it's excellent because you're just rooting yourself in scripture, praying the will of God and the attributes of God. Yeah, knowing who he is. Exactly. And the more you know who he is, the the better your prayer life will be. Absolutely. Because your your faith in him will be based on on his reality, Mm -hmm. not not on – your imagination or what little bit you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a direct correlation between the effectiveness and the faith the faith within your prayers directly with how much you know God, uh, not just with knowledge, head knowledge, but experientially. Yeah. So the more you know him, the stronger your prayer life will be. Absolutely. Well, to wrap up, let's take three minutes and just answer um, just some really important questions that people may have. Um, that I think is, I, I think is necessary to deal with. And it's simply this, why does God answer some prayers and not others? I know we dealt with that a little bit, or, uh, a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, but when we go to God in prayer, why is it um, that some people get some crazy, awesome miracle and they get the answer day one? And why is it others have been praying about the same thing for X amount of years? And they just feel like nothing's happened yet. How do we deal with disappointment in prayer? I give up. Why? Is this a trick question? This is not a trick question. No, there are, um, I'm being funny. There are, for me, there are three possible answers to my prayer by God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I ask him for something, there can be yes, I can get the answer no, or I can get the answer wait. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So if I pray and God says, yes, this is according to my will, this is what I want for you, this is good for you, um, this will work for you, mm-hmm. then it's hallelujah, it's awesome. Sometimes I pray for things because I think I know what's best for me, what's good for me, what will work for me, and God and his omnipotence will say, no, that's not for you. That's not That's not my plan for mm-hmm. you. That's not – I can see the big picture. You, you only see present. You're limited by time or space. If I give this to you, you're not going to be who I want you to be. You're not going to become who I want you to become. This is going to take you down mm-hmm. a different path. Somewhere down the road, this event will keep you from fulfilling my will. Yeah. And I can't see that. And so God will tell me no. I may be disappointed, but if I truly love him and I trust him, then I'll say, your will be done. Yeah. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, prayed for so many other people, and had miraculous healings. And um, he he had a, a situation, and he prayed three times, and God told him no. Yeah. And it was, be- and then Paul finally learned the answer is because he was caught up into the third heavens and got these revelations. Well, if that would make anybody cocky and arrogant, yeah, that would, you know, that I'm better than every other Christian. You know, I'm better than every other apostle. I am the man, and and so to keep him humble, he let a demonic spirit um, torment him uh, physically, mm-hmm. and that you have a physical problem that'll humble you real quick. Yeah. It reminds you that you're just flesh and bone. And uh, Paul prayed three times, and then he said, well, I know now why. There's two reasons. One is to keep me keep me humble, and two is to teach me to, to lean on God's strength. Yeah, my, you got, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And so Paul said that, that I realize there's a greater purpose. Sometimes when we're told no, I've seen people get mad, they get angry, they say, God's not real, God doesn't care for me, God doesn't love me, would really mature faith says, okay, God knows better. Yeah, I may be disappointed initially, but somewhere down, and some country singer wrote a song called Unanswered Prayers. Thank God for Thank God for unanswered prayers. prayers. And, <laughs> and uh, man, did that cat have it right? Because there, there have been things I've prayed for, and I thought that I wanted to happen. And then as time went on, and I, time goes by, and I look back, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad now that yeah. that didn't happen. Because if, I'd have, if that had happened, it would have destroyed me. Yeah. Or I wouldn't have been able to handle it or any number of things. God knows better. So when God tells us, no, it's not because he's mean, it's not because he's holding out, it's not because he loves you more than he loves me and you get it and I don't, you get healed, I don't, okay? So the big One of the big ones is I've heard people say, why did God let my mama die? I prayed for my mama and my mama died. God, mm-hmm. God, why would God do that? And they would just get all bitter. Well, first of all, everybody's going to die. You're going to die of something. Yeah. So, I mean, God can't keep healing us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> immortality is so, not for now, right? It's not for now, so everybody's going to die. Second of all, I'm probably going to make somebody mad here, but I think that's a really selfish thing to do. Some people, and this is going to make somebody mad, but I mean, I, and I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but I've really thought about it. Sometimes it's the most selfish thing. Why? Why did God take my mama? Well, you know, first of all, death took your mama, not God. And then I think some people just want to, they would prefer to outlive their mother and die first so they don't have to deal with the grief mm-hmm. and the, and deal with the pain of losing a parent. But unfortunately, death is a part of life. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't mean to make anybody mad, but I mean, if, if, if the shoe fits, wear it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but 
you know, we get all upset at God, but God, if God says no, there's a reason, mm-hmm. and there's always a good reason, never a bad thing. He's a heavenly Father; He doesn't give us any anything bad. Now, the third one is wait, and this one gets a lot of people: is that God says, uh, "No, I'm just, I'm not. I've prayed for things, and there's nothing. Like I've had opportunities. Um, you know, quite a few years ago, I had an opportunity to leave high praises. I could have gone to Alabama and pastored a stronger church. It would have been one of the premier churches in our denomination." So your mom and I fasted and prayed for a day to just figure out what's going on, and we there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing, and um, uh, sometimes you don't get well. I, I you said what'd you do? I stayed right here. I'm not going to move if there's not. Sometimes there's opportunities, yeah. but then sometimes God says, "I'm not going to give it to you now, but you need to keep praying." And people quit praying. Well, God didn't answer my prayer, and then we'll create these theologies. Okay, like people have prayed for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And then it didn't happen. So then they say, well, it must not be for me or it's not true. They get real mm-hmm. radical. So the people who are radical say, oh, well, that's, it, that's, that's not real. That's, that doesn't happen anymore. And they're basing it on the fact that they prayed and God said, well, you need to wait. Now, why God says wait, I don't know. But I heard this years ago, and it's not original, but it may be new for a lot of our people. Delay is not denial. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that before. That's good. That's good. Delay is not denial. Yeah. So just because God says wait doesn't mean he says no. Mm-hmm. So you have to pray and keep on praying. And sometimes God wants to see it, how, how desperate you are or if this is something you really are hungering for what he wants in your mm-hmm. life. So yes, no, or wait. Yeah. I think I think that's excellent. And I think sometimes we don't realize how much God is shaping us maybe through that waiting to depend on his strength, depend on his power. Um, I think when we don't get the prayers we want answered, um, it shapes us to have a humble submission to his will that says, I don't even understand this, but you're still good. Yep. And so I'm just going to walk And I'm going to keep it. on trusting you. And I'm I think keep it's on in, waiting, looking for it. Exactly. And I think it's important, too, that we don't have, to use a big term here, an over-realized eschatology which we basically think, well, God's promised eternal life. God's promised us healing, so it happens now. And if I don't get healed, either A, I didn't have enough faith, or like you said, B, God's not good, he's not real, or whatever. My hope is that with every prayer and every unanswered prayer, this world isn't my final resting place. And at the end of the day, all of God's promises will come true when Christ comes back. And eventually I won't have to even worry about sickness or worry about struggle or worry about death, it'll be defeated. And so if answers don't come in this life, it's not game over. There's still more to come. There's still more to come. And I don't serve God for what he gives me. I serve God for what he's done for me and for who he is. And what I mean is he saved me and put me in relationship with him. And you're right. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And there's there's, the the salvation is not over. I have been Mm -hmm. justified. I'm being sanctified. But I have yet to be glorified. Yeah. Oh, that's when things start getting good. So this world is not all that there is. People Mm -hmm. live like that that this is all that there is. Yeah. And it's not. This is just a blip in eternity. And so I think the mature faith says, God, if you tell me no or wait, that's okay. Job Job asked for God to touch him, and nothing happened. And Job said, okay, that's fine. Even if you kill me yourself, yet will I trust you. Yeah, You know, my faith is built on who you are. Uh, I'm not going anywhere else. There's no recourse. There's yeah. no other options. So if you tell me no, fine. You know better, but I'm just going to so, so there are people who uh, hopefully help somebody. If God doesn't answer your prayer, don't throw in the towel. Yeah. Don't ditch God. 
just humble yourself and say, God, you know better. I'm still going to trust you. Like, like the song we sing in the scripture, it comes from his promises are still yes and amen. Yep. Just maybe not on your timing. Right. Exactly. Cool. I hope that's helped you today. Um, if you would go rate uh, us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And hey, if you would like to send in a question, find us at High Praises Church on Instagram or High Praises Church on Facebook. Send us a direct message. We may answer your question at the end of a future episode. Or if it's just that good, we may even do an entire episode on your question. We can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. Have a great day.